0: you are listening to ace comicals my name's greg today i'm joined by my co-host leon let's get started This is comicals episode number 31 um and today it's just me and leon so leon besides reading comics what have you been up to this week
1: i have been doing nothing man i've i've uh, been in in a lost void <laughs> huh. i've been uh, filling up lists of stuff that i want to catch up on that uh, um we seem to be um a time where just getting constant, constant cool media, especially comics related media. But um, yeah, I, I just have had no time recently to uh, jump on it. So my my list is ever growing. But um, I've got a got a few things in the chamber for hopefully next episode that I can talk about a lot of um, interesting things.
0: Yeah, it's it's hard to keep up. Um, I've been having to pick and choose because obviously my time's limited and my thirst for comics is unlimited and I've got like a huge stack of like backlog to get through basically (laughs) yeah I can imagine yeah I've not I've not been managing to keep up very well at the moment I mean usually I'm quite good usually I can sit down on a weekend and I have enough time I, I sort of like dedicate time and I manage to clear the backlog but it's just built up and it's uh it's getting worse because there's so much out and it's yeah it's hard to keep up with it all but I've done my damnedest and um I've made time for gaming and tv and comics so I've got some comics to talk about but um
1: holy shit the
0: trifecta yeah <laughs> so I've managed to make time for all three somehow where'd you get um, all this time um give I me some synthesize it <laughs> <laughs> i collect it i take it from other people with a syringe and keep it in little bottles like there's a load of like where where i live within a mile radius everyone's a geriatric now because i've been siphoning their time so
1: see time would be more precious <laughs> than bitcoin
0: <laughs> it would time coin man it's the way forward <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah i've been playing this pretty stylish little game called where the water tastes like wine i don't know if you if you've heard anything about that one
1: yeah man it's um i bought it on the day it came out and i um still haven't had a chance to touch it
0: well that's that's just steam isn't it i mean
1: yeah i think But i've think, been looking forward to this one
0: yeah i've managed to sort of cram in a couple of hours on it over the sort of past i think it's been out like a week and a half or something hasn't it Hmm. um and i'm really enjoying it i i i like this whole um so the whole idea of it is you you are a uh, a cursed skeleton if you like wandering around america i'm trying to pin it down to a time period i think it's supposed to be sort of like the early 1900s or the 1920s i haven't quite managed to pin it down yet
1: yeah, from the very little I know, I think it is set around that time,
0: yeah. Yeah, I haven't managed to sort of, like, put a stake in it yet, because, like, there's cars, but it also feels a bit before that, so I don't know. Um, Anyway, it's, um as you wander around and you, you go from sort of town to town, city to city, state to state, Um, you've got this, like... Uh, this sort of like sprawling world map screen and you sort of, you sort of stroll around as this cursed skeleton. Basically you've played, um, this, this kind of fits in with what I was saying about, um, Dr. Strange damnation previously, actually, because it is kind of that whole American folklore thing, the sort of deal with the devil. Um, but obviously you, you've played a game of cards with the devil and, um, it comes to the end of the game and you've, uh, You've lost to him, you've folded, and he's won, and he's basically won a promise from you, um, and your job, you are now cursed, and your job is to now, basically, you're cursed with eternal life, and you wander around from state to state, and your job is to collect stories for him, he just wants you to collect stories, Um, and he wants you to collect all kinds of stories, and he wants you to spread them, uh, I, we don't know to what end here, or to what purpose um but it's it's quite fun sort of going from place to place just wandering around aimlessly collecting stories there's no real structure in that way you don't you don't have a set path to follow you go wherever you want whenever you want um and there's no real you're not bound to anything you can you can go backwards forwards, zigzag whichever direction you want there's no Uh, the only the only feeling of progress you get is from collecting the stories and in spreading those stories by sitting down at campfires and telling them to other characters in the game and sharing details with them and learning more about them and getting more stories in the process so it's um it's a very free form game and i really like that and i like watching the stories grow and all in all you know I, i i love the whole idea and i love how it's so nicely executed and i like these uh I, you know, it's like, like all these, these little bits of American folklore that just pop up in and around as, as you're walking from place to place. And it's great. It's, it's a great little game. I love it. And the music, the soundtrack is fantastic. I've had that on my MP3 player for the last week.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. I've, it's fully voice acted, isn't it? It for is, yeah. A lot it of, is. Yeah. yeah. Some, From what I know about this game, my excitement came from it. From, um, one, the... Um, the creative lead on it was the lead programmer on uh, Fulbright's Gone Home, mm. uh, which is a game that I really liked. Um, yeah. And also a lot of the stories and tales in this game uh, con- uh, contributed by a number of different writers, um, spanning quite quite a lot of like the video games industry, it feels. So like um, editor-in-chief of um, Waypoint, Austin Walker has a bit um, uh the... Uh, reviewer critic for Gita Jackson um has a story in there so it's like um it seems like uh a very interesting uh, set of people have come together to contribute to what seems like a very philosophical um and high-minded game that is trying mm. to say say more than more than the standard so I'm looking forward to um getting my hands on it
0: It definitely has a big, grand message. I haven't quite deciphered it yet, but I know it's there and I'm working towards it. And it feels very very important, actually, in places when you're playing it. Like, some of the stuff you learn and some of the things that you you sort of, like, you come across. And it's... um, yeah, I just, I just think it's a great game, and it's a great, it's a great way to get lost for a couple of hours, and I think that's the whole idea of it, and I think that's what it's supposed to be. Um, you can just get lost in all these little stories and all these little details within it, and it's, it's great. Uh, the, the The draw for me was the stories, basically, and you know the folklore edge to it and everything else, and obviously there's mm. an occult edge to it as well, which kind of drew me in a little bit, and uh, the the devil slash wolf. Uh that you encounter at the very beginning of the game is voiced by Sting. Yeah, I've heard this. <laughs> Sting and the police. <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah, it's great. No, I love it. I do.
1: Matt's um, um where The Water Tastes Like Wine by yeah. Um Dim bulb Games, developed by them, published by Good Shepherd Entertainment, and the lead designer is Jonaman Nordhagen.
0: Yeah, so if you want some pure escapism, then uh that's where you go for it because it's a real great place to get lost for a couple of hours, I must say. And on from there, there's the TV that I've been watching, um, which I did kind of say I was doing as well. I sort of put a little Instagram post of me and my cat sat watching Jessica Jones. Um, What did your
1: cat think of it?
0: Uh, just indifference. That's what cats are, isn't it? You know? <laughs> born in the indifference raised in it by the time they learn to care about anything you know they're already dead so <laughs>
1: they needed feeding <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah exactly no i love my cats uh no but um yeah i, th- I think it's-, it's hard to gauge with her really whether she was into it or not i think she was just there because i was there and because i'm where the food comes from so but no yeah um it's a i i'm i actually quite enjoying it i mean I-, I won't say it's as good as season one it's just as dark as season one and if not Mm. in places it's darker especially towards the end or where i well where i am which is i believe close to the end because i think i'm on episode 11 and i assume there's probably only 12 or 13 episodes which seems to be the pattern with these marvel shows yeah yeah so um but it's 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 been great and i've really enjoyed it and um as much as I don't think it's as good as season one, because the uh, the, the obviously that the the villain in season one, um, the Purple Man, um, I'll try not to spoil season one too much in case none of you have watched season one, but uh, it, he's such a good bad guy, such a good bad guy, and he has played so well, and I think I think this show blew its load by putting the purple man in season one because i you know to follow that up i mean yeah the the villain in this is is almost as it just doesn't have it it, almost as insidious almost a bit in a different way and doesn't quite pack the same clout for me isn't Mm. feel it doesn't get under your skin as much as the purple man did which I think is is my one issue with it and why I would say it's not as good as season one. But otherwise, it's still great. I'm still enjoying it very much. And, uh, yeah, I I mean, I'd urge you to get on it. Um, If you're into your Netflix Marvel shows, then it it also provides some sort of cool insight into it. It it delves into Jessica's past a bit more, which is pretty cool.
1: For people with limited time, do they have to have watched Iron fist uh defenders no. and no. punisher
0: no that's that's its own thing um like obviously Jessica Jones intersects with the rest of it uh but you don't have to have watched any of those shows to get Jessica Jones season 2 you could watch Jessica you could watch season 1 and then go straight into season 2 of Jessica Jones without with, completely ignoring the defenders and everything else because none of that really comes up there's no real reference to any of the rest of it as such only really the only stuff it really sort of like comes back onto is the stuff that happened in season 1 so you don't have to watch the many other hours of tv that's out there <laughs> um i'd just say watch watch season 1 and then season 2 obviously but you know you don't have to have watched iron fist or defenders or punisher or um do so you would daredevil. recommend punisher i would recommend punisher yeah 100 because that's great as well i mean that stands on its own as well you don't really have to have watched the others to understand that one um i mean obviously it comes out of daredevil season two but i don't think you need to have watched daredevil season two necessarily to understand the punisher so yeah they do a really good job of that of pinning of pulling them together, but also making sure they remain their own separate things, so that if you don't enjoy one, you don't have to follow it to understand the others if you get what I mean yeah, you don't have to waste your time on something you're not enjoying to get the rest of it, which I really like about that's what I really like about these shows that they can be so knitted together but also taken separately at the same time, so yeah, Jessica Jones season two definitely one definitely one to put on your list. And obviously, I mean, keeping up with Riverdale still, but that's a different thing altogether. And that just gets...
1: <laughs> I've got a couple of episodes <laughs> in the bag for that, so I'll be able to talk more next step as well.
0: <laughs> I've uh, For the new episodes, I think you're as up-to-date as I am. I've watched like one and a half, so I'm only a little bit above you, in front of you, but yeah. That's out there as well, so keep up with that. Because that just gets more and more um, blown out and like, I just I just love how how crazy and how like to the nth level that show goes.
1: Is it still emo and horny?
0: Yes. <laughs> very much <laughs> so. <laughs> oh dear, yes. Uh anyway, onwards onto the comics. So this is like the the third thing that I've managed to find time for. Um which I'm very surprised about actually <laughs> that I've managed to find time for all of this. So um for the comics, uh I'm going to open with the Ghostbusters books that have been on the shelves recently because it's more Eric Burnham and Dan Schoening and anyone who's listened to this cast before will know that I love Eric Burnham and Dan Schoening. And I love the way that they treat the Ghostbusters and I love what they've been doing with the franchise and the way that they've sort of continued it on in the same spirit of the original Ghostbusters and the way they seem to have knitted it all together, which is the most exciting thing about it. Like, not just the movies um but also the various cartoon shows uh, uh, that have come out of it and everything else and, and also the computer games and they just seem to have knitted it all together so nicely and brought it all together in such a such a beautiful way and this is like another nexus point for all of it and it's great and it continues all on in the same canon and it's just something really special that these guys have done um, so I'm going to start with the Ghostbusters annual, the 2018 annual that dropped. Now, this is a prelude to the latest event, which would be Ghostbusters Crossing Over. But it also, um, as well as functioning as a great prelude to that event, is also a very nice play on one of my favourite episodes of The Real Ghostbusters, which is an episode called When Halloween Was Forever. Um now, you have, uh, if you've watched that episode of The Real Ghostbusters, the villain is a character called Samhain, who is the embodiment of Halloween and seeks to create Everlasting Night on October the 31st so that Halloween will last forever and uh, the ghosts will, him and his, his spirit kind, his kin, will be, will be powerful and will rule the earth obviously the ghostbusters managed to stop him um in the in this we have a um a samhain style character now obviously we know that the word although it is spelt like samhain is not actually samhain it's is Samhain. Samhain is the true way to say the word and uh it, it comes from a um an old 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 uh, has roots in in uh, ancient Ireland an old sort of like uh kind of like a, a harvest festival and also a celebration of the sort of the, the time when the nights would become darker and longer sort of the end of the summer kind of thing because they had these uh these festivals that were
1: are these related to the um the sort of mid-solstices
0: kind of yeah it, it, it's um the harv it it, it, it sort of marks the beginning of the darker half of the year of winter. And yeah, it, it falls over um 31st of October and 1st of November, which is and this is where Halloween comes from. This is the root of Halloween. Now, in this book, you've got this kind of like Samhain, Samhain style character. Samhain is what he's called in the original um Ghostbusters cartoon. Um but um the mis- it, it's a, it's a mispronunciation and they actually poke fun at that in this book. <laughs> um and uh you've got some miners working away and they uncover a strange artifact and uh lo and behold this this uh pumpkin-headed spirit rises from it and begins to cause trouble across new york um the only way to defeat him is to learn his true name um and carly griffin saves the day carly griffin being the uh uh he, she's like Ray's protege. She works in his occult bookstore and she is the so so the universe we're in at the moment is the original Ghostbusters movie universe. So the original two Ghostbusters movies. That's cool. But but Kylie Griffin in this universe works in Ray's Occult Bookstore and is a Ghostbuster, but her doppelganger is the Kylie Griffin from Um The Extreme Ghostbusters. So that's her origin. So she you know the the female character in Extreme Ghostbusters. Yeah, it's her basically. Um and then towards the end of this when uh, they bring in all the other ghostbusters um to help because they realize they need the help using their interdimensional tech which they have which it is it gets more and more complicated but it was <laughs> it was brought to them from across the multiverse by the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And okay. actually love that the Teenage Mutant Ninja <laughs> Turtles are now canon in the Ghostbusters universe. <laughs> so, yeah, have you ever seen that picture of um, Charlie Day with all the strings going from from photo to photo from an episode? Oh, of, yeah. Yeah, that's what I feel like right now. <laughs> <laughs> But that meme, yeah. So that that always sunny meme. But yeah, no. Um, Pepe Silvia. Yeah, that one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so they bring in all the other Ghostbusters from all the other universes, and it all comes together quite nicely. The sort of the way this leads into the ne- into the next event, into the, the crossing over event, is that some of the other teams, namely the Answer the Call Girls, uh, Holtzman, etc., they. Um, Holtzman herself, in fact, is a little bit, like, she's she's into this tech, she wants this portal tech, and, um, you've got other another character as well, uh, Ron Alexander from the, um, Ghostbusters Chica- Chicago branch, um... And he's like, "Why should Stans have all the fun why both of them are like why should why should Ray Stans you know keep this tech to himself? Surely we can all use it and they they work on their own kind of bootleg version of it, and it all kind of spirals from there and that's what happens in the first comic for crossing over. It's those two working on this bootleg portal that kind of siphons off the original portal that is in the basement of the firehouse, and um you know what could possibly go wrong does go wrong, basically." at the end of the book so I'm looking forward to see what happens in the next one but it's the, it's the classic uh, Dan Schooning Eric Burnham treatment for the Ghostbusters and it's something that I've talked about before and something that I love so it's great um, if you're interested in watching the episode of the real Ghostbusters that I've mentioned then obviously it's all on Netflix so you can catch it on there um, seasons one and two are the good episodes with Lorenzo Music voicing Peter Venkman don't watch past that unless you want your ears to bleed <laughs> uh, <laughs> But yeah, no, it's all good, and um, I love how I love the artwork, and I I love how Dan Schoening manages to get these like cartoon characters, caricatures of the 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 actors that play um, the the Ghostbuster, the various Ghostbusters in their various universes and whatever. So the actor that play, you know, the actors that play like uh, Holtzman and Co, for example, and the actors that play Egon and Peter and, and whatever and Winston, he gets them so spot on when he draws them, they're like cartoon caricatures, but they're so spot on. They look so much like they're supposed to look. It's great. Mm, That's cool. Yeah. And it's just, you know, I I can't say enough, enough good things about this team. So, um, for the Ghostbusters annual, it was Eric Burnham as the author, Dan Schooning on art duties. Um, you also had, um, alternative cover by a Tim Latte and, uh, Luis Antonio Delgado handled colors. um, crossing over is a similar story apart from your um alternative cover was uh joe quinones um and uh, those are both on the shelves now so yeah i mean if you want to if you want to if, if you love ghostbusters and you want somewhere to go to to you know to sort of feed the habit past the past the movies then this is where to go the idw ghostbusters comics are the place to read Um, onwards from there, it's one of yours, isn't it, Leon?
1: Yeah, well, this is one of mine, but I believe you've read it as well. Yeah. And this is Abbott Number 2. Yep. Uh, And that's the sort of Marish detective story with a, a tinge of supernatural from Boom Studios, written by Saladin Ahmed, and illustrated by uh, Sammy Cavella, colours from uh, Jason Wording. And this is one like uh, I wasn't on last week's, uh, well, last episode. Um, and this is this is one there that I was looking forward to talking about, just because I think that it really carries on well from the first issue and starts to build the world and. Oftentimes I get worried and I need, like, issue one's never enough for me. Like, I need mm. issue two to stick the landing. And uh, I've spoken about this in the past before, with things such as Mr. Miracle, where I was hoping issue two would just be as weird as one. And it was, and and, and more so, which I was glad for. And I like that this um, starts to get deeper into this world. So starting off, I think, like, the cover is immediately eye catching it's just really um it's really noir and you've got like the the heavy pinks and purples and you've got like this new character that we've not met before with with her um arms around um, our lead character and it's uh, immediately in uh, enticing yeah but um yeah I think the opening page panel design is quite striking what we were talking about. In issue one, where it was um, the beginning pages are are quite um, stylistic, they carry on that trend in this issue.
0: I'm just debagging mine now, so I've got a point of reference when I start talking.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And like, um, it has a really cool. uh, I'm always a big fan of good. language design and i think the otherworldly language in this is, is done really done really well
0: um yeah and... it's the, <clears throat> i was going to mention the otherworldly language it's kind of like a um a mishmash of various symbols or other languages that you may have seen written before it's got like something southeast asian about it
1: yeah i, I um, would say so
0: yeah but then like on top of that you've also got other things like creeping in like crucifixes in places and things like that it's it's, it's pretty cool
1: yeah it has this quite um this ancient feel to it which is mm. quite nice
0: yeah um, um
1: but yeah like, oh, i was just sorry, saying like <laughs> it's um it's an effective second issue definitely and i feel like the panel structure throughout is quite dramatic at times um such as when uh, Elena, the, the character goes to uh, Lincoln's bar who um, a character we met in the first issue and it, the way it storyboard um, is storyboarded following actions so it does feel very cinematic like you're filling in the gaps of movement in between the frames uh, and little movements that establish character wordlessly. Um, just take the lead here, and it, it's done done really well. And like the uh, introduction of uh, famous Fatal character Amelia, who we see on the cover, uh, it, it's really cool design, um, and the the way that um, that sort of relationship is set up is is really cool, and I'm. Um, I'm interested to see where they go. It's, um, that's one of the things I really like about this book. The relationships between the, uh, between the women, uh, are really nice. Um, and there's this big sense of camaraderie going throughout, um, the book with people looking out for each other, um, and the, uh, sort of relationships people, people have with each other. Uh, there's this feeling of community, um, especially um, with Elena's relationships with the other black folk in the town. So um, that's something that I really like seeing because it adds the extra dimension to all these different characters and really makes the world feel lived in and not like a stage play that started as soon as we opened uh, page one.
0: Yeah, you, you get the feeling that in between issues one and two that there's still stuff that's been happening stuff's been going on Mm. and you know it's like it's like it hasn't just because you've closed the comic the world doesn't stop you know yeah and i love um the, the the artwork in in the way that it's expressive of the supernatural element and the mystic element with the um the way these characters are handled and things you know Like, especially towards the back of the book, there's a really awesome double-page spread that I'm not going to spoil. And there's just some really great... I mean, even on the first page, there's some really great artwork here um, with a a cloaked guy and all this this kind of, like, evil sort of mist sort of emanating off him. Uh, And the way they sort of carry that theme through with the way that the evil is represented in the book is really great. And I just... I just love the whole the whole feel like the whole the whole world that this 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 place like drags you into. You can just smell cigarette smoke the whole yeah. time. <laughs> and I don't think there's one page where there's not a lit cigarette. <laughs> and
1: but it, yeah, yeah. It, there is this sort of darkness, foreboding darkness going on. Yeah. And you can feel the, the lead character getting sucked deeper and deeper down the hole.
0: And as much as she doesn't want to believe in any of it, she's like a a big part of it. And she's coming to learn that and it's just swelling up and it's getting bigger and bigger. And it's getting harder and harder for her to ignore, basically. Yeah. And there's this really nice sequence where she visits. um, I can only describe it as an occult (laughs) bookshop.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: The Aquarian Emporium, (laughs) which is uh, (laughs) bongs and tarot cards. And that's a pretty cool sequence when she's in there. I like that.
1: Yeah, I definitely say that um, th- they're definitely created uh, lived-in spaces, and mm. like with this book, they really up the ante with the another beastly cliffhanger. Yeah, um, and I don't know it, it, it's a book that I'm I'm really digging at the moment. Um, it's really evocative supernatural uh i guess detective comic it's a ride that i'm really enjoying um mm. and luckily i think the next issue's out in like 10 days or so so not a long wait
0: yeah no i'm i'm really looking forward to this and i um i'm kind of glad that we waited until now to talk about it because i had um I had to order issue two from the US. Oh, really? Yeah, so I had to wait for it to arrive because <laughs> <laughs> uh, none of my I couldn't I, for some reason I just could not track it down in the UK. My comic score didn't manage to get it, and it, it just I, I I you know as tried as hard as I could, I just could not find it anywhere. Maybe it sold out. Maybe everyone thought it was too good. I don't know. Maybe there was a shortage of them. I, I don't know what the story is behind it um but i had to i had to go to the us to get it in the end so i'm i'm glad because that gave me a chance to read it as well and be able to chime in and agree with everything that you've said about it because it was fantastic <laughs> yeah
1: yeah I, I definitely think it's it, um as you've demonstrated it's definitely worth um seeking out mm. if your um your local comic book shop has the back issues otherwise um on online um it's a it's a very nice presentation. So, however mm-hmm. you like to read your comic books, so you, I'd definitely recommend giving it a go.
0: Yep, local LC well LCS local comic shop, or I mean, I guess those of you that use Comicsology and things, it's there. And I guess the uh, the upside of having a service like Comicsology is you don't have to go through the uh, the trouble that I did <laughs> to track an issue down. But that's me and my <laughs> Me and my paper ways. I'm I'm like one of these people that would, you know, ew, CDs. It's all about vinyl, <laughs> MP3s. Pa. Yeah, but yeah, you know, I, I I like I like my my solid medium. So yeah, I like I like having I like being surrounded by stuff. Leon doesn't. I'm Leon trying to get has, rid of my stuff. Leon has a, 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 a Leon lives in a white room with a white desk and three devices laid out neatly.
1: <laughs> uh, you know me though. When, when the big EMP comes, I'll be at your door begging.
0: Yeah, to,
1: to get my comic fix.
0: I'll be I'll be there. Like when when the big EMP comes and the world ends, I'll I'll be there like the master archivist <laughs> <laughs> with all the stuff. Um, speaking of uh, apocalypsism, world ending, and things going for the worse um it's the next one on the list which is oblivion song um and this is the new book by uh, robert kirkman who is your walking dead guy and uh on art duties we've got a lorenzo di felici and colors we've got annalisa leone uh cover by lorenzo di felici uh so this is uh oblivion song issue one And this is published by Image Comics. So, from the offset, it's very the realm, and I can also feel the Walking Dead in there as well.
1: Yeah, when I open it. Yeah,
0: I mean, in ways, but not, but in also in ways, it isn't because it's not quite the post-apocalypse. It's like. Very localized post apocalypse because it's happened it seems to appear it appears to have happened only to one city that we know about so far. And that is I don't think it's even the entire city, is it? I think it's just part of Philadelphia.
1: Yeah, I believe so. It um yeah, like some sort of science y dimensiony thing has happened and it plays more like the aftermath of a, a big disaster rather hmm. than um A post-apocalyptic scenario
0: yeah so so it's more it's more like um sort of like post-earthquake or something like that where you would go into the ruined half of the city on a search and rescue mission uh but it's got like this this sort of like real sort of sci-fi edge and what makes it seem more dangerous is the fact that it's not an earthquake or it's not anything it's not anything earthly anything that you can relate to anything tangible it's it's some kind of other otherworldly cataclysm has happened and we've ended up with a portal appearing over part of the city and taking 300,000 citizens with it to somewhere that they have named Oblivion um and this is like some kind of horrible wasteland populated by otherworldly creatures flora fauna beasts whatever and This appears to be the tale about a man who refuses to give up on those people that have gone missing. So where the rest of the city and the government and the rest of the country have decided that it's now a lost cause, he's still going there every day looking for people and bringing them home. Um, And yeah, this is kind of like his mission and he's made it his business to bring these people back. But you get the feeling that there's something personal in it for him as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and, and where no one else will support this search and rescue operation, he's fighting for it to continue because he, he wants to keep doing it. Um, Now, the thing that's going to keep me coming back and the thing that's going to keep me most interested in this book um, is the whole idea of Oblivion, the other side. So when he goes through that portal into this other realm, I suppose we can call it... um. And what is, what is there and, and, and this whole world that they appear to have built. So I, I want to know more about the monsters there. I want to know more about the local wildlife. I want to know about the, the, the plants. I want to know how, you know, how things work there, whether, you know, is the air breathable? I mean, it appears it might be breathable, but is it, is it causing people issues? Is it messing with people's heads? Cause I get that feeling as well. Um, and is that the air, or is that just the trauma of being in such a place? You know, um, one theory I have is that he. This is kind of like a rapture style thing, and he might be bringing people back from the dead. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, that's don't know. Early hot take. That's just some yeah. That's just some early you know fresh out of the pan thing that I came up with after reading issue one. Like, what if it's this kind of thing? But I want to know more about it, and that's what's going to keep me coming back to this book to learn more about what is going on behind the veil, kind of thing. Um, the art's very cool, and the characters have a realness about them in their form that I quite like. Like everyone's different; no one is too perfect or too imperfect.
1: Yeah, definitely, I'd agree with that.
0: Yeah, and, and I, very I like
1: individualistic.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and it feels like we're looking at people that you would walk past in the street. It's not these usual designed characters that are designed they kind of designed to fulfill a purpose like you know the the, the hero is big and burly and strong and, and the, yeah. the femme fatale is the femme fatale kind of thing no it's it's more um everybody looks like normal everyday joes and janes which i really like um and it's yeah it, it's the way the, the fluidity of the artwork as well and the and the way that the hardship and the trauma is expressed in the characters faces is something i picked up on you know like the lines
1: yeah i was gonna say a lot of lines
0: yeah heavy lines in people's faces because they've had like a hard decade you know and like because some people have been trapped over there for like going it's it's like it's beyond 10 years now isn't it in the book that people have been trapped in this other place and it's just you get the feeling that they've had a real hard time about it and 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 as you know the, the the art's really good at showing that and it's really good at showing this in people's faces and the way people hold themselves and carry themselves throughout the book. When you look at the panels um, and the thing, the little things in the book as well, like the things that people do uh, in the writing that shows, yeah, shows this that, kind of trauma and things is great as yeah, well. The I really themes it. in
1: there, you've got like PTSD, you've got survivor's guilt, you've got, um, sort of the religious aspect of people thinking it's the end times. Um, and then you've got like the bureaucratic government side, like yeah. there's just a lot of um, different facets going on with this story already, which is quite nice. Mm-hmm. Like in ways I'd describe it as a post post apocalyptic um, state. Yeah. Uh, where, because we get to spend so much time with the survivors.
0: But then, then you've also got the, the whole point that at the end of the day, he can go back to his apartment, you know, and it's, I guess that messes with his head as well. The fact that he goes there every day, but then he can go back to his comfortable apartment while people are still suffering. And I love, I love the whole like the whole, the way that, I mean, cause this is, this is so real as well. The way that they've done this, the way that they've re- shown that everybody else has already given up by building a monument with all the names of the missing on it, even though we don't even know that they're dead.
1: Yeah, that that's a nice touch. Um, yeah,
0: and that, that is that is something that is so real and s- such a thing that would happen in this world. If something like this happened for real, That that's what would happen. They'd build a monument. And even though, you know, this guy's going out and bringing people back and we don't know that these people are dead, I mean, we'd write them off, wouldn't we? Kind of thing, which is what's yeah, happened here. Yeah,
1: it's like missing persons. Um, yeah. It's like presumed dead type of thing
0: mm. and I, I quite i quite like that that he's he when he comes back he's like vandalizing this monument by scratching names out <laughs> i think that's a nice touch um but yeah i I the, the main pull for me is going to be oblivion itself i want to know more about oblivion and i'm, I'm really into it and I, I quite like the the whole weird the weird sci-fi edge that this whole thing has and the way that's represented and Kind of like the madness that you get, like because people, people, are, uh, there's like a madness in people that have been there, and I want to know what that's all about as well. I want, I want to understand more about it, and that's that's what it is for me. Is I mean, so yeah, all in all, it's it's a, it's a very very real and very very good book, and it's one man's mission to restore hope when everyone else has already given up, and uh, I give it a thumbs up on issue one anyway.
1: Yeah, um, <coughs> I'm definitely going to be checking out the. Second issue. Um, there are definite shades of things like uh J. Michael Straczynski's uh Rising Stars and the show The 4400, which mm. felt like it was heavily based off Rising Stars. Um, and that's that's the thing, I think. Um, I'm hoping that the next epi- episodes, the next issues set things up and pull us deeper into the world because i'm assuming the setup's going to change quite a bit yeah um and one thing that is a blessing and a curse is that um in the sort of writer's editor's note kirkman mentions that they're already a year ahead they've written 12 13 issues already yeah which is nice because it feels like there's a story there so it's reassuring but it's also intimidating because if it's just like the beginning like that um, because you know me I'm personally uh, geared towards more complete story packages, shorter runs Um, and I don't know if I have the time for another Walking Dead um, a comic that I read like a hundred issues of and then sort of just lost my way and stopped (laughs) so I'm not sure if I'm ready for that but if it's compelling I'll stick with it
0: Yeah, that's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping that this is going to be like a better version of The Walking Dead. Because The Walking Dead, I hate to say it, it did get a bit weak. (laughs) Um,
1: Yeah, it started to trail off, definitely.
0: Yeah, and I'm hoping this is going to be like a stronger version or a stronger... All the good parts of The Walking Dead. All the things The Walking Dead did well. Um, And maybe this will continue on a bit stronger and and won't sort of like trail off, like you say, in ramble. Um, if it does run on for that long, which, it, I mean, I, I don't want to, you know, I don't like condemning books to an early death, but if they can wrap the story up in 50 issues, why drag it out, you know? Because you can have 50 really good issues and and it will be a story that everyone will remember, but if you drag it out, past 50 to 70 for example and it starts to get weak then you're going to lose people are going to lose interest and it's just going to tarnish the name of it isn't it you know but i mean that's looking mm. way off into the future so yeah
1: yeah it's quite interesting i do like that obviously kirkman's uh is it ceo of uh, image so i do like he's sort of got the power to have 12 issues in the can already yeah. he doesn't need to uh, have anybody say uh, the sales are doing good. Four months in, you can yeah. have a couple more months. Unless, uh, like, that you're like, yeah, boom, Netflix, baby. Except we don't get them all at the same time. But like yeah. the fact that it's just there, done, is pretty cool.
0: Completely avoids being chained to his desk. Uh, you know, which is, uh, I should, mean, obviously, obviously, hopefully... to get a year, to get a year's worth out, he must have been chained to his desk at some point.
1: Well, the thing is, hopefully, it, like he mentions, it should cut down on delays. delays and, yeah.
0: Which is quite nice, and that is uh, Skybound, which is an imprint on Image Comics. Um, other stuff on Skybound is things like Extremity. That's oh, a Skybound yeah. one, yeah. And that's that's finished now. That's wrapped up. We've had twelve of those, and that's the end of Extremity. And that that's a that's a great example of something that you know, like, managed to t- managed to do its thing in twelve issues, and isn't pretending. Or, or you know, even trying to go any further, I guess because it shouldn't, because it should only be twelve issues long. It's not. It's not something that I, you know, I, I. If something, if something comes to a definite end and can come to a definite end, it should take that definite ending. Because when you go beyond that and you start looking for reasons for it to continue to exist, that's when you start to muddy the water and dilute it and mess with the formula too much, I guess. Um. But yeah, that was uh, Oblivion's song number one, which, uh, yeah, there's a thumbs up for that one. So, uh, Leon, it's another one of yours, I believe. We're going yeah, to take one that I was looking now.
1: forward to talking about last episode that I wasn't able to make, but this one is uh, Incognigro Renaissance uh, 1. Um, and this is um, the... It's like the prequel story um, to Matt Johnson and Warren Pleece's Incognito from 2008, um, about a character, um, African American character called Zane Pinchback, who his complexion is so light that he's um, able to pass as a white person. And so he, he, in that original comic, he uses that to investigate uh, racially-based crimes because he can get in an interview where someone with a, a darker complexion wouldn't be able to. So it's a, a, it's a very interesting um, premise. And it, it's a book that's been on my list forever. Um, and then I've owned it, but I've not got around to reading it. But then Renaissance came out and I heard it was a prequel, and I think it's just one of five, so I thought I'd jump in with that and then flash back to uh, the original later, even though the original set afterwards. But um, yes, yes, the book on Dark Horse Burger Books, uh, scripts by uh, Matt Johnson, the art is by Ron Please, and the letters are by Clem Robbins. So in this story. Um, while Zane was going was down south in the original book, this is set in Harlem during the Harlem Renaissance of the 1920s, and here we get uh, Zane Pinchback as a r- rookie, uh, first deciding to take advantage of his uh, light complexion um, to try and get justice for the death of a black author at this. Um, sort of high society party um a crime that the the police and everyone else um instead of just paint it off as being like a suicide even though it's clearly a murder so that's where the story sort of jumps off and yeah it's a really enticing start to like a racially t- tinged uh, detective story um it deals with like quite a wide um gamut of like um issues that i've never really seen in a comic before which is which is quite awesome and um, i assume that the original touches on this quite a bit um so it deals with things like colorism um the sort of culture vulture tourism uh so like uh, people who uh, as it was common in the 20th century and i guess it's still common now the whole um black art being valued over black lives. So, like, um, one of the big figures at this party is this author, and he's made this book about um, sort of, this is sort of the, weird, like, jazz period, and he's made a book about, um, the, like, like black culture and a black element, but it's very much from a sort of historical uh like neo-geographic, non-human way, um, and it's very much uh, taken advantage of the access he's been given. So, so you yeah, have that. Um, uh, the microaggressions, like sort of the daily under-the-radar um, slights and um, sort of mental anguish that that can happen, um, and uh, assimilation, uh, interracial conflict, and um, an interracial fascination in, in very nuanced ways. So uh, it, it does handle a lot of like quite deep subjects, but it, it it's not, this isn't a, a class. This isn't a teaching lesson. This is, this is a cool detective story and it's done so naturally. Um, it feels very much true to life. And that's, what's a, a bit, a bit sad of it in a way, because it's uh, also a painful reminder that, uh, hundred years later um in in a lot of ways things have not changed that much um they've just evolved a little bit but um yeah it's it's so great and they they put you um right in the shoes of this lead character and they set up quite a compelling mystery and yeah it never feels preachy or on the nose um it, instead it's a, a really good start um the art is um, really striking and purposeful, uh, with its black and white throughout. So, kind of reminds me of like older comics or like a, a manga, and obviously that's uh, a very thematic choice to have uh, have it black and white and not colour. Um, but yeah, it's very um, economical, and the characters are well featured. So it, it is, it's a nice. Um, i don't know like with this and abbott it's nice having these uh detective stories with people chasing after leads so um this is definitely one i heavily recommend and one i'm looking forward to seeing the rest and i think there is only going to be five issues so that'll be really really cool um i was uh listening to an interview that matt johnson had with um Intercepted, which is the podcast of uh, the new site, uh, the Intercept, and he had a lot of, had a lot of interesting um, I, things to say in regards to why he decided to go back to his comic uh, of ten years ago and uh, bring this character back. And a lot of what he says is to do with like the timeliness of certain subjects in there and how there are other stories to tell with this character so yeah i definitely recommend that and um, i'm looking forward to reading the original
0: two so you're actually going to be reading these in the correct order then
1: uh yeah chronologically yeah yeah
0: <laughs> so yeah instead of read yeah prequel first and then yeah so so technically the correct order chronologically yeah um i think this will be something where yeah if i pick it up i'll be reading it in that order as well so Something I should probably put on my list, take a look at because you made it sound really cool. Definitely worth it. Mm. Um, on from there, uh, I have a book about Vikings, but it's not just about Vikings; it's about aliens too. It's about Vikings and aliens, and they fight. They're going to fight each other, and uh, this is Spider King Number One. Um, this is one that, um, upon browsing the previews pages and looking for stuff to read, I just automatically got super excited about <laughs> when I read the premise for it. Cause I was like, wow, that sounds batshit.
1: Well, it sounds right up your alley. Exactly.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that sounds absolutely batshit crazy. I think that's something that I need to be reading. So yeah, this is, this is a proper Greg book. Um, We've got the, um, the author is a Josh Van. Uh, we've got Simone D'Armini as the artist and cover artist. Uh, we've got Adrian Block the colourist and, uh, we have a, uh, another cover by, um, Afu Chan. Um, the cover I got was the standard cover. It's this black and, um, <clears throat> you've got kind of like this, uh, this green figure um, illuminated by a light that appears to be coming from above. Um, And then you've got like the Spider King logo there on the front page in this very kind of uh, like warped um, spiky font kind of um, you see this kind of right. You see this kind of uh, typography a lot these days actually in different places almost it reminds me a little bit of Namwolf. It's got that kind of feeling about it um and the um the 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 sort of characters standing there with a sword and shield looking pretty menacing pretty pretty big and pretty yeah that that's that's like one of the things about the way the characters are drawn in this book actually they don't look tall they they just look big kind of like all proportioned a little bit like the thing from Marvel Comics, a little bit like Ben Grimm. <laughs> um and I think that's one of the things I enjoy about it, the sort of the cartoon styling of the characters and things like that. But it's a really cool cover anyway. I really like it. Uh and you've got some debris floating around in front of him, and he's holding this very cool, stylish sword. Sort of it looks it looks like it's a slab of rock actually. It's like it's one of those when when they draw you know, like a one of these like super thick fantasy looking blades. Yeah. Um Anyway, so it's, uh, it's Vikings vs. Aliens, I mentioned, and um, this is sort of all about the, the graphic violence and the brutality, and it's all sort of wrapped up in a lovely cartoon bow. Um, all the brutality and the ugliness of Viking and barbarian warfare, uh, we are thrust straight into the midst of a civil war uh, between a nephew and his uncle, and the book opens with the death of a king at the hands of his own brother. Um, how she, Shakespearean? Yeah, the hands of his own brother's army. We 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 sat. We're sort of there at his funeral, almost. Uh, a bunch of people standing around his body, um, and deciding what to do next and where they go from there, basically. Uh, and obviously the mantle falls to this guy's son, and he becomes the leader of the Laxdale clan. Uh, fast forward a few years later, not much remains of them. They've kind of been hunted to extinction, fighting. Uh, this guy sort of like who's now in charge of the Laxdale clan, who's now the king of the Laxdale clan, fighting his uncle to kind of stop his uncle's onslaught across the country. Uh you've got other kings and stuff just, just um worried about this as well. And uh these Laxdale guys are barely managing to cling to their territory. Um and it's it's you know it's all really cool. Uh, there's this sort of like civil war that's going on right now. Um uh, there's other the rulers as i mentioned across the across the land worried about the continued and unstoppable march of king aric who is our antagonist and uh the daughters of these rulers uh one particular one in particular um grow restless and will not stand idly by as stubborn men throw themselves into suicide missions for the sake of misplaced honor uh and that's as much as i'm going to say about that cuz it's really cool <laughs> um and there's there's something so basically all this is happening there's a huge battle going on in the woods. People are dying in, in uh really graphically depicted ways within this book uh, the artwork's fantastic and um all of a sudden things start to fall from the sky uh stars as they describe them shooting stars falling from the sky, green rocks landing, burning green rocks um and this is in the midst of everything. And everything's so lively and wonderfully coloured while all this is going on. I mean, I mentioned that it's full of violence and blood, bloodletting and whatever else, but everything, everything's so beautifully coloured and everything just looks so lively and full of life and, and um, as much death as we're shown. And as I keep saying, the cartoon styling, the fact that everyone looks so sort of like stocky and squat, even though they're not supposed to be, they're supposed to be tall, but they just look so, um, I-, I say proportioned like the Hulk, but on a smaller scale or like the thing from Marvel comics. And it's, I just think it's really cool. Like, I love it. It's so stylish. Um, and it-, it basically takes a turn for the sci-fi. And uh, that's where I'll stop basically, because this is where the aliens start to get involved. Um, and, yeah, as I say, the cartoon styling just lends itself beautifully to the visceral violence and everything within the fight scenes. And the right the writing's very well paced as well. At no point do you feel thrown around or like you've missed a beat with it. That's cool. Um With the panel layout and everything else. Because, I mean, with with everything that's going on, I can imagine if it wasn't handled in a precise way, you'd, you'd end up feeling quite lost. Uh, but the way they've managed to handle it and the way they've managed to cram in all of this exposition and uh everything else within you know what they've done and some of the interesting panel layouts and everything else and it it just makes so much sense and you don't feel like you've missed a beat at all it's great how they've managed to how they managed to do that um it's it's very well balanced as well um I'm, i'm looking forward to the rest of it and the ending has me completely hooked in um and it's just such a fresh and well handled idea like you never get um, the idea of extraterrestrials landing in the Dark Ages, you know, like the medieval Dark Ages or whatever. And, and, and it's like otherworldly tech versus these sort of like hardy, burly warriors. And I just want to see where they're going to go with that and how that's going to work. Not much fighting between aliens and humans comes up so far in issue one, but um, I'm thinking this book's going to handle it very well because i'm I'm looking forward to how how things go and, and how they work that in um and this is this is the balance i'm talking about so far it's very well balanced in in a way that it's not like the aliens are just going to come and wipe these guys out which is what you'd probably expect um it's uh yeah i mean and this is this is just issue one and it's one of four it's getting the four-part miniseries treatment um, it was originally published, actually, in 2016 as a single volume. Oh, really? Yeah, so, um, I'm not really sure how I missed that, because this is something that I, I would have been straight on, but...
1: Sci-fi big boys, right, really.
0: Yeah, now it's there, right on the, uh... Right on the shelves, right in front of me. So, uh, I'll be picking it up issue by issue, one to four. Um, and, uh... I think you've got you're gonna you were gonna cut in on a couple of things from last week, weren't you? So that's, that's me done with that. So that was that was Spider King, and that was Spider King number one. Uh, you, as I say you can pick it up as a full volume because it's been out since 2016, or if you want to do what I'm doing, uh, you can grab it on the stands uh, if you want it as the mini series. So yeah, Leon, some stuff from last week.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm just gonna run through these. I don't have too much to add to what you guys said about them previously. But um, in good old two D comic form, you've got Ice Cream Man Two. It's the image comic written by W. Maxwell Prince, art done by Mark Morazzo, um, colours by Chris O'Halloran, and lettering by Good Old Neon. Um, yeah, and I, and I agree with a lot what you guys said last episode, especially what Rahul was saying in terms of sort of the drug morality thing being a bit play, bit played out. But um, yeah, this is it's a comic that's slowly falling towards. I'd prefer this is trade territory, mm. but I'm going to keep going because I do like how each month it is just like that anthology, uh, like set is pr- pretty cool because um, I part of the fun is seeing how the ice cream man. Uh, factors into all this, and like you guys were saying this one's almost a hands off approach where he mm. sort of lets the person destroy themselves so i am I'm, I'm still i'm still in the boat for this one and yeah i really like uh, i like the art still um i think it's really cool and the colors are really popping um this issue like there's a lot of interesting uh, uh color work going on and it they'll even um like attached to character in a really cool way so mm. yeah i'm 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 still on still on the boat for that one so i'm still in the uh the ice cream van for that one
0: it's a bit of, bit of sexy image purple for you in there as well leon
1: oh uh, yeah you know me my image <laughs> purple um and also want to touch on the game Florence, um which i believe rahul spoke about uh two episodes ago possibly and this is the um the mobile game which at the time was just iOS but I believe it's on Android now and it's developed by uh Mountains um uh, which uh, is like I believe it's a mostly a four-person team. Um Creative Director is Ken Wong, which people may know from Monument Valley, which is an excellent uh mobile game, um which you can also get on Steam. And I believe the lead programmer was Tony Kukuluzzi, who was the lead developer on Cuphead, which is this uh, platformer that you may have heard about last year that was uh, really well re- received mm. and was in a lot of top 10s.
0: Yeah, that that little thing.
1: Yeah, yeah the, the Flesher-style, super hard uh, yeah. platformer game. Um, but yeah, uh, with Florence... Um, this is another game that I just bought day one because it's uh, published by Annapurna and they've not done me wrong so far with Cora Goa and um, The Remains of Edith Finch from last year. And yeah, this is, um, as described, it is like an interactive graphic novel and it's uh, quite a, a more or less, not simple story, but more straightforward story um, where your interactions are more, just to give you tangibility in terms of controlling the pace of the story, which is really cool. So there aren't really any choices, um, there aren't really uh, any alternate paths or endings, but it's a nice way to uh, bring a comic alive in a lot of, in a lot of ways, um, and I, I really enjoyed my time with it. Um, it covers a lot of cool themes in like that sort of mid-20s ennui, uh, like first proper like big adult relationship, including moving in and blah, blah, blah. And really handles power imbalance in arguments and estrangement, um, the highs and the lows. It, it, I think everyone and their mum has probably said this in a review, but it, it did give me... Uh, A lot of uh, a very big 500 days of summer feeling um, and some tiny hints of like eternal sunshine, but but not really weird in that way. But yeah, it's it's quite, um, for me, an enjoyable journey. The music in it was amazing. Um, The art in it is fantastic and it just feels so natural how they have you... um, tapping on the screen in different ways and interacting with things on screen to move the story along and I definitely feel like there is a lot of room in interactive fiction for these types of stories and I hope we get uh, a lot more not every story or narrative based games needs to have multiple choices and blah 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 sometimes it's nice just to spend some time with characters and be with them during interesting parts of their lives and having some sort of agency in pulling them forward in that story and uh, experiencing it with them. So while there's, if like there was a sequel or the developers were to do something else in this vein, um, then I would be hoping, uh, there's a lot of opportunity, I think, for ways to build on this type of style of game um, that isn't just necessarily, like, choices, but, like, more um, more cool ways of interacting um, with uh, the different systems, such as uh, when you have arguments, uh, you have this thing where you, you fill in a speech bubble with different shaped blocks, and it'd be cool if you had a bit of agency to control maybe... The tone of the argument, um, which is a cool idea that um, um, Rahul was saying. Um, so yeah, I definitely recommend it. It's only two ninety nine on iOS. I assume it's the same on Android, and it's definitely worth it. It's a very charming, very charming game, um, and a very uh, it's it's pleasant um, though. It's not all uh, sunshines and rainbows. I think it's. Um, It's it's a really nice game that will cheer you up if you're having a a crappy day or a crappy week. So, yeah, I'd recommend that.
0: And it's the kind of thing that I'm sure a lot of people could probably relate to in playing as well because it sounds pretty grounded.
1: Definitely. Yeah. I mean, there are some like flights of fancy, but in a really like normal grounded way. It isn't Mm. full magic realism or anything.
0: And that brings me on to the last one on my list. Uh which is the continuation of my current Riverdale obsession. <laughs> um and it's the latest in a line of horror books. The latest uh, sort of Archie Horror story. Uh which is Vampironica, issue one. Rolls off the tongue. Yeah, in c- case you haven't guessed what the title Vampironica alludes to, that's everyone's favourite rich girl Veronica. It's now a vampire. <laughs> um, and I, I, in my opinion, this was great fun in a kind of sort of trashy B-movie vampire flick way. The whole thing opens with uh, a party at Cheryl's house. And, um, you know, kids doing normal college, uh, well, high school party stuff or whatever. And uh, all of a sudden vampires. <laughs> um And uh, Veronica is playing a Blade-esque role, or kind of something like Buffy, if Buffy was a vampire. Uh, And she's a vampire hunting other vampires. Um, And the rest of the book explains how she became a vampire. And I love the sense of humour that this book has. It's not outright jokes, but you can tell that it's a well-constructed parody, if you understand what I'm saying. Mm. Um, And it's like it brings together... like everything from sort of pop culture that we've had in recent years about vampires and slams it all together into kind of one big stew. Um, mainly going on the sort of teenage angst vampire style stuff that I believe Buffy the Vampire Slayer kind of falls into that kind of road. Um, um, and uh, draws a little bit from Blade and it's that kind of thing of, va- you know, like a vampire hunting other vampires, but in a really kind of, but then with like the kind of grindhousey edge to it. Hmm.
1: Um, sounds like the tone is lighter.
0: It is, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's like, I mean, it's still, obviously it's still, there's still blood, there's still killings, hmm. whatever. Else it doesn't
1: that... sound like Chilling Adventures of Sabrina or Afterlife of Archie, it sounds more
0: no, light-hearted it is it, it feels more light-hearted when i'm reading it as well uh because i think I, I got this big flash of nostalgia while i was reading it as well because it just reminded me it I just got this real buffy vibe from it especially the way the vampires are in this book like you know how the faces twist up when they go full blood oh yeah bloodless, yeah um <laughs> and it's just yeah i just thought i just thought it was really cool and it's just it's just like it's like a a really heady stew with a real good riverdale archie stock base um the art's really great as always with these horror tales and um we've got uh, the writer uh, greg smallwood and megan smallwood and the artist and cover artist is greg smallwood so um it's a it's a two person team family affair yeah family affair maybe yeah um I <laughs> yeah yeah um I, i'm not sure if this is a married couple or if it's a brother and sister but yeah we we get we get the idea that it's yeah it's um it's a really cool book at the art is it's got like this kind of uh chalk or uh charcoal feel to it um like a graininess and the way the faces are done and the, the expression and everything else is really cool um i love some of the panel work in the uh you know like I like my sort of multi stage panels that sort of break down a single moment into several, yeah with slight differences across panels. I love stuff like that, and this this book has it and it has it nicely um the pages aren't overly laden either it's not like they uh e- each page is um it's not like they're so intense with content on each page, which I quite like. It's quite simple, quite storyboardy. And there's some really interesting things done with Onomatopoeia to kind of get across impact and to get across um, things that are happening and, and the way that to, to get across movement and the way things are happening as well, which I, I quite enjoy. Hmm. Um, And, yeah, just in you know, to go with the other Archie horror books, I just think this is really cool and I, I you know, it's it's a really cool vampire story. Um, I guess there's only two ways a vampire story can go these days, right? Um from, from from what we've had recently in uh pop culture especially, uh you either have like the whole Van Helsing thing, Count Dracula thing um or you have the kind of disenfranchised teenager side of things where it's set in the modern day and it's all very grungy or you know it's got like this kind of like punk counterculture edge to it if you understand what i'm saying
1: yeah that seems to be the vogue these days Mm. though i assume there's a lot more uh, varied routes that are being taken in in other literature at the moment
0: yeah. I think I think this this owes more definitely owes more to the kind of 90s vampire stories. Um like uh um I want to say Queen of the Damned, but I don't think I want to say Queen of the Damned. <laughs> um you know that that kind of that kind of vampire film. Yeah. The Lost Boys, that kind of stuff.
1: Sexy vampires.
0: Yeah, Blade. it's, it's, it's got all of that about it yeah mm. buffy the vampire slayer it's it's those kind of things and and it's it's brought together in a really kind of nice consolidated grindhouse-y way um and um i think yeah this this kind of like this is is a really great i, I think i think it's really great and it's a really great addition to the archie horror books um if you're looking for a vampire story that kind of um gives you the prior though if your thing is more count dracula then i'd say go for mr higgins comes home which is the Magnola book that i've talked about previously um i just want to mention the covers briefly on this book as well uh the the standard cover is vampire cheerleader veronica standing over a pile of dead bulldogs uh the bulldogs being the football team <laughs> and there's blood all over the pitch and whatever um and there's also a really cool frankavilla cover which i really wanted but I couldn't get hold of, which is, um, it's an orange cover with Jughead's skull and like the shape of Jughead's skull, like a skull with a crown on it. And inside the skull, uh, Veronica is kind of leaning against a tombstone in a graveyard holding Jughead's skull.
1: Oh, okay. (laughs) I I really
0: wanted that one because that one was really cool, but I couldn't get that one. So I had to settle for the standard, but yeah. Um, if you like Riverdale and you like Archie and you like the Archie horror stuff, then this is somewhere to, this is, this is somewhere to go because it's great. Um, and, uh, that brings us to a wrap up for the comics. So, uh, that's everything we've had to talk about. So I think all in all, despite struggling for time and struggling to get through my books, I've still managed to make quite a list, I think, um, for this week's episode um and leon as well i think we still managed to get through quite a bit didn't we <laughs>
1: yeah i mean where there's a will there's a way
0: exactly yeah so on to the pool list so um it's just me for the pool list this week uh for the 21st which is when this episode drops so that's march 21st we've got a new asagi Ojinbo story um and this will be number one of seven i'm um, quite looking forward to that spider king number two as well so if you like what i've just talked about grab number one and number two if you can get hold of number one um ice cream man number three so again uh something that we we it's a book we really love on this cast so go out go forth buy it read it it's brilliant uh on the 28th you've got legion number three um which is something we talked about previously uh you've got the second installment of the new hit girl story uh which is hit girls uh world tour uh of sorts and uh we've got doomsday clock number four which has gone bi-monthly i believe is what I was told last time and what I've read. That Doomsday Clock is now releasing every two months instead of every month. I'm not sure why that no. is. Yeah, but it's, it's ended up going bi-monthly. And uh, that has been Ace Comicals number 31. So you can find us at www.acecomicals.com. That is the hub for everything. Uh, on there, you will find links to our Instagram where we are, Ace Comicals. You will find Facebook, where we are under ace comicals you can find us on twitter at ace comicals uh you can find us on wordpress which is ace you can get in touch with us uh using the ace comicals email address so that is ace um hit us up ask us a question send us some feedback we'd love to know what you think of our show um you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Castro. So all the podcast apps. And uh, if you want to get in touch with me, it's uh, at Batto. That's B A T T O U on Twitter. Um, again, if you want to you want to DM a question over, or if you want to ask us something, or comment on some of the stuff we talked about, just start a conversation. Leon, where can we find you? You can
1: find me on Twitter at Leon Everett and yeah please leave us a review on itunes that would be cool
0: yeah if you can if you can get if you get the time to if you listen to us on itunes or, or wherever you listen to us leave us a review uh give us some feedback we want to know what we're doing right and wrong any kind of constructive criticism is welcome so that has been ace comicals episode number 31 thanks for listening guys ace comicals over and out